Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which of course means on this Tuesday I was in Ashburn for the introductory press conference of the new GM, Adam Peters, Josh Harris, and Peters took questions from the media today. I'll share with you guys what was said there, some first impressions of the new head of the front office and what's to come. Uh, We'll get to that in a moment. In addition, today's guest, a guy who's been on here many times, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden, got Jay's view on the playoffs, uh, what he thought of Ben Johnson and some of the other uh, potential head coaching candidates or potential head coaches here in Washington, how they fared, about the transition that most of these candidates, Ben Johnson, Bob, or Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, and others, the transition from being a coordinator to a coach, because obviously Jay did that uh, back in the day from Cincinnati to coming here, and a whole bunch more, including his interesting uh, last 24 hours on social media, getting into Twitter feuds, beefs, sort of, somethings, with uh, RG, Robert Griffin III and Brian Mitchell. Uh, so I did ask Jay those questions. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. I'll have a story up in the morning on the positive vibes surrounding Adam Peters that extend far beyond the team the team facility here. Um, so check that out on The Athletic for likely uh, Wednesday morning. Um, okay, so let's get to just a couple things here about the press conference held at 2 o'clock today inside the, the team facility in Ashburn. The auditorium in there where they've, where they've now had uh, the majority of their uh, press conferences, as I said, Harris and... Peters came out together. This has been two press conferences in the last week with Harris. Both when they say it's going to start at two o'clock, like they are coming out at two o'clock. There's no dawdling. Whatever's going on behind the scenes, they come out. Um, the setting was, you know, kind of what you would expect for some, for these types of events. Uh, Adam Peters, his family was there. His wife Jen, their two young daughters who were well-behaved throughout the process. Uh, some of the the minority or limited partners, I should say, were sitting in the front row, Mark Ein and Mitchell Rails. Uh, Peters' agent, uh, Doug Hendrickson with Wasserman, was there as well, and, and some others, uh, of course, with the organization. Uh, Harris came out and made some comments about, you know, how they landed on Peters, that they're looking for a certain type of leader and feel that because of his background and the teams that he's been on, he, of course, he, Peters began as a scout with the Patriots, a scout with the Broncos, and then came over to uh, the, the 49ers in that time, won three Super Bowls, went to others, including one with San Francisco in 2019. He's had very uh, interesting experiences and, uh, you know, he, uh, Harris said, quote, we set out to find a leader, someone who can take this franchise to the next level and build an elite team that consistently competes for championships in Adam. I think we have the right leader, end quote. Um, Kind of thing you would expect to hear on such a day. Um, uh, Peters gave a very long 
introductory remarks. He thanked a bunch of people who helped him get to this point throughout his career, including his family, his father, his late mother, uh, a coach at UCLA, Don Johnson, uh, the 49ers organization, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, uh, who was the one that made him made uh, Peters his first front office hire when he uh, took over San Francisco's front office in 2017. And, you know, from there he, you know, I'd be lying if I, if I said he gave us a ton of specifics. Um, you know, I asked him, not what are you going to do with the number two pick, but what kind of options it presents. And he kind of really just said, well, we got a long ways to go for that. He was asked about, uh, what else was he asked about? He was asked about all kinds of things. I'm looking here through the, uh, through the notes. He, he said thoughts on the current uh, roster. He said, quote, I believe that there's a few cornerstone pieces in this roster. I believe we have a lot of work to do, and that's just evaluating everybody, and that's going to start with the coaches. When we hire a head coach, we sit down together with the personnel department, and we sit down and evaluate everything and figure out where we need to be, end quote. Um, he, what else? He said, um, you know, he when it came to qualities he's looking for in a head coach, the question, in the question he was asked about offense or defense, he said, basically, we want a leader. It is not necessarily about offense or defense. We want somebody to be a leader. So I know a lot of you want them to take an offensive mind and put that in as the head coach, especially with that number two pick that likely we think would be would be a quarterback. Uh, what he's saying could just be the generic things you say, but at the same time, I you know I as you guys have kind of heard me say, I'm not like one million percent saying that it's going to be Ben Johnson, but it could be it, the leadership qualities. That's what you don't know always about a coordinator uh, transitioning to becoming a coach, and that is something as I said, I talked to Jay Gruden about uh, that. We'll get to in a few. Minutes. Um, you know, he talked about the sort of lessons learned over the years that learn. You know, he's had, he admitted various failures without specifying what they were, but he said, you know, you learn more from the losses than you do the wins. He was asked about whether it, Washington being relatively a blank canvas was a was important. What was interesting to him for a way to put a stamp on the organization. And he said, quote, it was everything to me. This opportunity with this ownership group in this place, I can't tell you how much that meant to me and our family, end quote. Um, and so that was kind of, you know, some of the highlights of what he had to say. Like I said, he didn't say we're going to re-sign Cam Curl and Kendall Fuller. He didn't say we're taking a quarterback. Uh, he didn't say Sam Howell is out or Sam Howell is in. It'll be a little bit. Uh, he also didn't get into what happens with the current executives on the roster. I mentioned to you guys in the last episode that I think it feels more to me possible, if not likely, that Martin Mayhew ends up staying because they Peters and Mayhew know each other from their time in San Francisco. I don't know what role Mayhew would have since he is currently the GM along, you know, or was last year. But, you know, I, I don't see that being necessarily an issue if he's given a uh, you know sizable role underneath Peters. We'll see how that goes. And, of course, who else ends up um, coming here? He, Peters did say, of course, he wants to build through the draft, which is kind of what you'd expect from somebody who was a college scout for, for many years. So, you know, I, I think Peters, he didn't come in with some uh, 
you know, rah-rah sound. He wasn't, you know, um, he seemed to be genuine with his responses. Didn't feel like there was a lot of, you know, trying to win the press conference. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote what my last story about Ron Rivera was. I'm just saying in general his personality was kind of low-key uh, in, in that regard. So, uh, you know, presumably we will see him maybe next week if they hire a uh, head coach by then. Uh, so uh, we, we may be very close to hearing from uh, Adam Peters again, but this was the first time he did that. I, I think from a writer perspective, I don't think he said anything that was particularly, you know, wow, headliner headline kind of stuff. And maybe that's a great thing for the broader view because he didn't make headlines with anything he said today. It was a pretty standard, normal, formal uh, introduction and uh, we go from there so that was Adam Peters today making his first comment as the new GM of the Washington Commanders um, there were a couple of players milling about I don't actually know if any of them were in the auditorium they have the reporters sit kind of way up front so if people filled in the back I couldn't say but I saw F.A. Albada on crutches you know, post-surgery, walking around. Someone else said they saw Sam Cosme. So I imagine there were a couple people around, and maybe they even stuck their head into the press conference uh, themselves. So uh, so that's it for what we got today out of Adam Peters. Uh, I, I did speak with a lot of people around the league, not just the last few days, but really over the last, you know, few weeks, few months, you know. Um, and, you know, I... I, I yeah. You know, it feels like you know we're, we're you know it feels like Betty White had like a the best Q rating out there. Um, you know, nobody disliked Betty White. I mean, at the moment, I don't know. I I have it feels like everybody's all in on Adam Peters, and I don't just mean people in this building. I mean, kind of anybody I spoke with. Um, you know, there's always somebody out there with a, with a negative comment. I've yet to find that person. I'm not saying I'm looking for it. I'm just saying those I've spoken with seem very high on a guy who's viewed as one of the better town evaluators, an excellent communicator, and certainly seems like a nice guy. So we'll see. Uh, Positive stuff there. And obviously when you make such a hire, it often feels like it's, you know, I won't say anything is possible, but, you know, that that getting out of the hole this franchise has been seems doable. It's all going to come down to obviously what choices are made. There's plenty to make starting with the head coach, and then they go from there. All right, so speaking of head coaches, Jay Gruden, of course, had this job as head coach uh, from 2014 to 2019. I spoke with him this morning about, you know, that transition from coordinator to coach um, and, you know, his impressions of the various candidates and, yes, (laughs) what was going on on Twitter with him, RG3, and, and Brian Mitchell. So let's get to that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, joining us here, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden, who, like the rest of us, was watching uh, all the games this weekend. Unlike the rest of us, he got into some interesting Twitter views uh, last night. We'll get to that in a second. But first off, uh, Happy New Year. How, uh, how are things going in your world? Happy New Year. Everything's good down here in Florida. Been down here for a little while. I'm having some fun and playing a little golf and watching some ball. You're missing all the snow. We got like five inch, four or five inches yesterday. I'm not missing that at all. <laughs> neither, neither am I. I well, I, I guess I don't have to miss it because I'm here. I'm not a snow is a big 180 for me in my life. Kid, amazing. Adult, ugh. 
such a yeah. hassle. And I got to drive out to Ashburn today because they're, they're doing the Adam Peters press conference. So I can't even just stay in the house all day. All right. Nobody wants to hear about that. Uh, I get, okay. Let's start with this. I was going to ask you about Dallas and Philly, like how things just imploded for them. Uh, the Eagles were the last game of the of the night, and their season just completely tanked down the stretch. Uh, I'll lead into something else after that. What What do you make of what happened to Philly this year? Well, how, how did things go so wrong? I don't know. They looked good early in the year. Uh, they had some defensive struggles early in the year, but they were winning games, and then uh, offense just couldn't keep up. I think when you play poor defense and you offense has to score every time they have the ball, that's hard. And then Jalen struggled a little bit. The offensive line struggled uh, systematically. I don't know uh, what kind of plan they have to pick up blitzes, but it's not a very good one. That's the issue I had last night. I just hate watching guys free off the edge or free up the middle. And they just never really had a plan. I don't know if Jalen wasn't seeing it or wasn't adjusting the line or they didn't have any max protection calls or, or what have you, but they just didn't look very prepared in my opinion. And Jalen just didn't have an answer for anything Tampa did. And that was the case for, you know, that last five or six games down the stretch. You know, the um, when you go back to the beginning of the year, Washington played Philly in week four and then like week eight, I want to say. And those were two games of maybe Washington's two best games of the year, frankly, even though they lost both. One went to overtime. The other one came down uh, to the end of the game. Sam Howell's pretty good in both. And I remember thinking in both cases, like it didn't feel like Philly was like playing that great. They just were good enough to win. And you kept waiting for them to turn it around. I kind of wonder if they ever just were good this year. Like to a degree. I mean, they were, it's like with the 2020 Steelers team that started like 11 and 0. Washington was the one that, that beat them. And the whole time was like, eh, I don't know. But because yeah. they just made the Super Bowl, we're like, oh, I guess they're going to turn it around. Well, everybody thought with the big draft pick from Georgia, their defensive line was going to dominate Fletcher Cox and obviously Son Reddick and Sweat, that they were going to get pressure galore. And that just never materialized. And then the coverage, the secondary, uh, just took a beating. You know, Darius Slay is a good player, obviously, but Bradbury struggled all year long. Their nickel struggled. Their safety struggled. Obviously, Blankenship was out yesterday, and that hurt them a little bit, but uh, they just couldn't cover anything. They can't play man-to-man. They, they didn't know where to go in zone, so they changed coordinators to Matt Patricia, and he obviously didn't have an answer either. I don't know if it's more – I think it's probably a little more personnel-related. They're not uh, good enough linebacker. They tried to get Cunningham back there, but he's struggling mightily in the middle of the defense. So they got a lot of issues on defense uh, moving forward. And they're getting older. Brandon Graham's getting older. Fletcher Cox is getting older. Slay's getting older. Uh, so they got some issues moving forward. And Hurts in general, I mean, obviously he was really good last year. Um, you know, he still didn't have a ton of resume lines relative to other quarterbacks when they get those massive contracts. Um, it, it seemed like maybe, and I thought this in real time, like a little early. But, you know, if you have a quarterback you think is good, it's hard to just, well, uh, you know, go roll the dot, you know, if you – if you think you need to have a guy, you might you probably have to keep them. Um, other than if you're Bruce Allen when he was the president when you were coaching here, then, then that doesn't happen. Um, but what uh, what do you kind of make of, of of him this year? And like, is that is there? Uh, did you see anything that made you concerned about where his career is going? Or yeah, very concerned. And I think a lot has to do with he. I don't think he really played a game healthy. You know, his his legs were hurting a little bit, and he had a back, then he had a finger last night. Um, Jalen is at his best when he can really run the ball, like a Josh Allen type. Josh Allen threw for 220 yards the other day and had 75 yards rushing a touchdown. That's the way Jalen needs to play for him to be successful. They got, he's got to run for first downs. Their offense isn't good enough to convert third downs by passing all the time, and uh, the passing game is not good enough, especially without A.J. Brown. So he's got to be more involved in the running game, and it's going to take him being healthy next year to do it. So 
Uh, moving forward, they have to get him back more, get him more as a ball carrier and a thrower, be a little bit more balanced, get get some better running backs too. I don't like the size of their running backs. They're little. They got to be able to push the pile a little bit more and be more physical because they do have pretty good offensive line. They just have little backs, and Jalen's not uh, taking off like he used to. Well, it sounds like Jason Kelsey is retiring. At least that was the uh, story yeah. today. So, um, you know, obviously that's a huge deal. The whole tush push thing sort of goes with right, right, uh, you know, with him leading the way. So, you know, we'll see how they adjust to that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a different uh, a different deal possibly going forward. Um, all right, so let's get to this Twitter fun stuff. You, you t- you're watching Hurts. You said you tweeted – if I ever put a QB through what Philly is putting Jalen through, I apologize. Pick up a blitz, exclamation mark. Cool. I mean, you know, I get it. You know, he's going through some tough. And that would have been the end of that until yeah. somebody quote tweeted you. Uh, I don't have the quote from it, but it's RG3 putting up like a, I, I don't know what his deal is. He likes putting up these pictures of himself making yeah, like weird posts. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't I don't know if he was implying that he wasn't prepared. And if he wasn't prepared, I was like, you weren't prepared, Robert. And I I apologize. That's my fault. But I thought Sean McVay was a good offensive coordinator. And uh, he, we had a pretty good staff to get him ready to go. But if he didn't feel like he was ready, that's on me. Well, so, I mean, I guess the impression I sort of got was he's inferring that. I guess that you left him out to what the, you or the play calling, whatever, left him out to dry, thus led to. Um, you know, he, he, he took a lot of sacks. Uh, I, I had it here. Hold on one sec. Uh, somebody put up a stat on, or put, I hadn't looked this up yet, but somebody uh, with the name hippie Sinatra put this up. I'm sure hippie Sinatra has it right. That RG three was the 12th most sack quarterback in 2014. A year later with Kirk cousins, it was uh, 26 most sacked. And obviously you were the coach for both. And it's, I remember in real time when you guys went from cousins to RG three, it just seemed that Kirk had a better feel for when to get rid of the ball. That's not the only component of quarterbacking, but that, but well, what we're talking about, about here, is that, is that when you look at it, is that kind of how, how you felt it was? Yeah. I like to think we took pass protection very seriously. Unfortunately, we lost uh, Alex Smith because of a pass protection flaw. So we weren't perfect by any stretch. I would just watch, I was commenting on the game last night. Um, I didn't want to go back to old, bring up old stories and old results of our team. Obviously, uh, we had a quarterback competition. Robert was hurt with the Shan hands, and he never really fully recovered, in my opinion, mentally or physically. And, and unfortunately, Kirk just outplayed him in practice and in game. So we went to Kirk. There's no, nothing personal against Robert. And like I said, if he felt like he's unprepared, that's on me. But uh, Kirk did a great job for us and obviously made a lot of money moving forward. Um, I remember 2015 was like the first year I think I went to Richmond for training camp. And I remember watching in like seven on seven drills and it seemed like RG three was, and this is my unexpert un- opinion was like holding the ball too long, even in that stuff. And that was to me was like, uh, I don't think this is going to work if you're not, I mean, there's no defense or, you know, whatever. And then obviously you made the move to, to go to cousins at the end of uh preseason, basically was that, I, 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 I don't really want to get into like what happened in 2015, but it's to the point of like, I'm trying to think like what his, what he's thinking here, because it seemed to me like he was, struggling to get rid of identify what to do with the ball which led to essentially the sacks yeah we we had a bad preseason game against Detroit he got sacked a lot and everybody criticized me for leaving him in the game because we had a couple backup linemen that were playing and uh, I just wanted to try to get a positive drive going in that game but we kept getting sacked and and a couple of more protection issues and I wanted to make sure we got the communication right and and a lot of people thought I left him in and I probably did but I you know as a coach and you're 
playing out poorly in a preseason, you're starting quarterback. You want to have some kind of success before your uh, first game of the year. So uh, that's probably on me for leaving in too much on that one. But overall, I don't think anybody can argue the fact that uh, we had a competition. Kirk won it outright and Kirk played extremely well and kept the job and moved on and has made a hell of a career for himself. Yeah, I should have said this at the start. You set the scene. You said you're in Florida. What are you doing? Where, where, where are you at watching these games? Like, what's the deal? You know, you got you got chips in one hand, a, a drink in the other. Like, what's going on? No, I'm just watching them at the house, just chilling out, um, listening to it. I like to listen to the commentary and and watch the games. And, you know, me and my wife just sitting around watching the game. All right. So RG3 comes in, quote tweets you. Uh, you go back at him with the, with the prepared comment. Um are you like laughing at this? Like you're, you're trying to watch the game and all of a sudden like your night well, is getting completely derailed. You know, I, I, I've never really been critical of another coaching staff really too much, you know, but now that I'm pretty much out of coaching, I think I can probably let loose a little bit more. And I'm just getting to know this Twitter thing a little bit more and, and learning it. It's probably a bad thing. Cause I'm reading some of the comments I'm getting destroyed and some people are supportive. Some people are just, just angry and mean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's it's not that big a deal to me. I was just having fun uh, retweeting them, and uh, I'm never going to bash Robert. I, I know he tried his ass off for us, and I tried to get him ready to play, but unfortunately, Kirk just beat him out. All right, so so you're dealing with the RG3 thing, and, and, and relatively speaking, I mean, he obviously uh, escalated to a degree, but I don't know. Like I said, he's putting up pictures That's of himself. Tough. He's kind of being playful to a degree, but like, yeah. you know, but then – like off the top rope, his tag team partner to some degree comes in, uh, Brian Mitchell, who's you know love uh, I love B Mitch. Uh, he comes in and he starts giving you grief, and you guys start going back and forth. <laughs> what what, 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 what do you say in your house when all of a sudden you're like, wait, now I got two people coming at me? Yeah, I, Roberts was more of a playful thing. He just kind of gave me a look or whatever. It's not that big a deal, and I just said well, you weren't prepared, Robert. That was not that big a deal, but B Mitch. He went to a whole new level, like just go away, uh, leave. Um, I never did anything to B. Mitch, but obviously B. Mitch never liked me. He's uh, ripped me in the media for many, many years. And now it's just another opportunity for him to try to jump off the top rope, like you said, and get on me. Um, but yeah, I, I just, B. Mitch has never, ever said a good word about a coach in the D.C. market. So it just comes with the territory. You know, if you're going to coach here, get ready to get ripped on by B. Mitch. No big deal. Well, I won't read all the all the quotes or all the tweets back and forth, but you guys did get to it, and uh, it was funny. You this morning you ended you I maybe you ended it I don't know, but you said the the Will Ferrell uh, picture with boy that escalated quickly. Um, and I, yeah, and I said, why don't you uh, you know if, if you know he's ripped on every coach in DC, why don't you come back to Coach B Mitch? The punt return team would be sick, you know. And I left it at that. That's enough. Um, you know. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, so you got there in 2014. Um, I don't know what, it, you know, I don't know what was what was going on. Like you said, you know, B. Mitch is certainly an opinionated guy. and Maybe he had some thoughts about what was, I don't know, coaching the team, what have you. But I remember in 2019 when Dwayne Haskins was a rookie that there was this conversation about is he not getting enough reps with the first team in uh, in practices? And was that the reason why he wasn't playing or this, that, and the other? And then B. Mitch and Chris Thompson got into it on Twitter over this because Chris Thompson was defending you. Um, and I remember I wrote about this, that even like Adrian Peterson was, I, I talked to and he was like, seems like the practice reps are normal for everywhere I've, I've ever gone. So I, that's the only thing I could imagine with, with you and B Mitch as to why he might've had a, 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 an issue. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was wild. I'm not going to lie. 
Well, if you don't have success as a coach here in this market, which we didn't have success in my last couple of years, and then you're going to get shredded uh, by a lot of people. But he just was uh, constant through my whole career there. It's, you know, he's got his right. He's got a pin. He's got his own show. And he's got a microphone. So he's going to continue to spew off whatever he wants, whether, whether it's right or wrong or whether it hurts somebody's feelings or not. Never, never bothers me, though, because I'm, I'm used to it. I've grown up in the coaching business for my entire life, and I understand how people are and they're going to be. And now that there's this social media out there, it's even worse. So you just got to in one ear out the other water off a duck's back, whatever it is, and and move forward with your life. You know, it's, you mentioned your family background, obviously, you know, your, your dad wasn't coaching your brother. Um, you grew up in that, you know, you were, you were, uh, you know, hanging out at uh, Notre Dame and, and all these places. And then you, you know, you start playing on your own. So you were in this stuff. So even though like you were a first time head coach, when you came here from Cincinnati, Regardless of how long your resume was at that point of being a coach or a coordinator, you had been in this your whole life, basically, to a degree. Um, and what's interesting is now we're seeing Washington is trying to figure out the next coach. And when you look at guys like Ben Johnson, who have he's been a coordinator for two years. I don't know his family background, but I'm not aware of a lifelong thing like yours. Um, you know, one wonder for me is, like, how do you make that adjustment from coordinator to coach? It is such a different job. How, how much how much different of a job is it and how much do you think your own personal background helped you uh, navigate that, that transition? It helped me a lot because I was a head coach before. I know it's not the NFL, but it was arena league and you still had to lead people and set up schedules and do all those things, um, handle adversity. So I had a little bit of experience, not to the extent of coaching in this area, but it was, it was helpful um, moving forward for guys like Ben Johnson and these guys who've never been head coaches. The biggest change is uh, managing other coaches you know he's going to be fine with the players uh, he relates to him fine he's going to call a good game he knows x's and o's that's not the issue it's going to be who he's going to hire on a staff and how he manages those guys that's the toughest thing because you know you got to put together a list of who you want as defensive coordinator you're not going to be able to get the guys that you necessarily want so you're going to have to have another list and a b list and a c list and find your best d line coach who's that going to be it's going to work with your coordinator an o-line coach and it's not easy to find coaches nowadays there are a lot of coaches that are available now because they just got let go so that's a good thing um but still it's going to be difficult to have him find his own guys and then he's got to find out which franchise is best for him as far as quarterback is concerned if i were him i would look very closely at this draft at drake may and uh, caleb williams and obviously Jaden daniels and if he feels like those guys are uh, the future of the franchise, and I would jump at this opportunity. If he didn't feel like those guys were good enough, uh, I'd probably err on the side of going somewhere else. But I think uh, this market, having the number two pick will be perfect for a guy like uh, Ben because he can mold the quarterback that he wants. Uh, he can start fresh. Um, just the key is for him to get the right people in place. Who's going to be the personnel guy? Who's going to make those decisions is also critical. Does he want full control? Does he want that as a young coach? Uh, I would probably err on a side of hiring a good GM to help them like uh, they did from San Francisco. I think that's a great match, a young kid and a young kid working together uh, and then have some veteran people on staff to help them out, make some uh, other decisions, help make other decisions as well. But yeah, I think it'd be a perfect fit. You mentioned uh, the new GM, Adam Peters. Uh, I, I, You know, there's been a lot of talk that Ben Johnson is the the one they want. We'll see. I, I, a lot of teams, I think, are probably in that position as well uh i don't know the relationship between ben johnson and adam peters uh when you go like for you right you already knew uh bruce uh before and so at least it was i don't know to some degree some comfort no in that i presume if you don't know the gm but the, the gm's already there and it's a first year gm as well does that 
does that make you a little nervous about the situation because you don't know, quite know what's going to happen? Or, hey, you know what? Uh, this guy's got a really good reputation. Let me roll the dice and and, and uh, presume that, you know, he is good at what he does and he'll help my cause. Yeah, it does make you a little bit nervous. You got to get to know him in an interview and it's going to take some time. It's not a two hour interview. It's going to be uh, a, a long day, two day, three day type interview. You got to get to know exactly what roles uh, people are playing in the organization. Who's got the final say on the second pick in the draft? Who's got the final say on keeping or losing a free agent or signing a free agent? Those are the most critical decisions moving forward. A fourth round pick, uh, uh, managing the roster. Uh, that this That's the most important part. I've always said it's about the plays players, not the plays, so to speak. You got to get good players in here. That'll make Ben Johnson a better coach. If you don't have good players in here, uh, Washington will be looking for a new coach in two or three years again. What do you, uh, so I don't know what your thoughts have been on Ben Johnson all year. He obviously had a game this weekend and the Lions won a huge win for that city um, and that franchise. Um, they get off to a huge lead, but then they only score three points over the last 36 minutes. Do you come out of that game thinking, okay, I see why Ben Johnson is, you know, everybody's really excited or, 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 or do you have a different view after watching? Uh, and I know one game doesn't change uh, uh, like the I overall said, impression. But. Probably there's a lot of coaches out there uh, that could come in here and draw up plays and be successful uh, calling an offense with the players that they have at Detroit. Can you turn that around and manage a team like Washington and with the players that they have here? Um, you know, obviously Eric Bieniemy uh, had a lot more success at Kansas City because of the players that he did here at Washington. You know, it's not he didn't get dumber. He just didn't have quite the weapons in the arsenal that Kansas City had. So it's very difficult moving forward. That's why I keep mentioning it. Ben's got to really look at this draft and make sure that uh, Drake May is the guy they want, or if it's Caleb Williams or whoever they're going to get moving forward for this franchise to be successful because you can draw up the greatest playbook in America, but it's not going to work if you don't have that trigger man calling the plays. Um, you, you obviously are an offensive uh, guy. Like that's your that's the where you come into the NFL game from. Uh, if they don't get Ben Johnson, most of the other main candidates are guys on the defensive side. Uh, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, whose defense was going up against Ben Johnson and others. Uh, there's some notion of, hey, look, it's better to get an offensive coach because if he's good, then you have somebody to stay. But if you get a defensive coach and he has an offensive coordinator that's good, he's going to get plucked and you have to replace this position all the time. Um, but there's also a notion of the defensive guys maybe are a little more about the sort of setting a tone in the locker room or things like that. What do you kind of make of that? Would you like all things be equal, go offense, or does that not it does not not matter as much to you? I personally would go offense just because of the draft selection that they have. Now, if they don't get the offensive guy that they want, um, then defensive guys like Raheem Morris would be a great fit just because he's a great communicator, great leader of men, which is very important. And I'm sure he could find an offensive coordinator that can uh, get right. But you're right, you have the you have to worry if he comes in here and does well uh, in this first year, then you're going to lose your coordinator to head coach somewhere else. But that's why you still have to coach your other coaches. You know, it's not just your coordinator. Your quarterback coach has to be ready to step up in a year or two. Uh, your wide receiver coach or maybe your running back coach, whoever it might be, they have to be able to step up and fill the void uh, if something happens to your coordinator. So not just coaching your coordinators, you got to coach your other coaches and make sure they're prepared and ready to go when time time is needed. Uh, what'd you make of Dallas? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just unfortunate. You know, Green Bay took the opening kick and went right down their throat. And it was 7 nothing. Then Dallas, uh, you know, had the unfortunate punt, and it was 14 nothing. And right there, it was panic-stricken time. And then the pick six happened, and 
Uh, they got bound down, so they got hit right in the face early and just couldn't get back up off the top, off the rope, man. So that's unfortunate for them. They had a good year. Dak had a sensational year, but defensively, they 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 just are not um, even close to where they need to be in order to stop the run and, and play big boy football this time of year. Is it uh, boggle your mind that Mike McCarthy, after three twelve win regular seasons, could be out because they have they, they struggle in the postseason? Yeah, no, nothing boggles my mind anymore. You know, it's shoot. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson got fired at Philadelphia. He won a Super Bowl. And brother got fired at Tampa. He won a Super Bowl. You know, this thing, this coaching thing, you're not going to last. It's a, it's a very tough job. The coaches that do last are very fortunate, very lucky, and typically they've had very good quarterback with them for a long time. Sean Payton and Drew Brees, Mike Tomlin and Big Ben, and obviously Belichick and Tom Brady. Those guys kind of uh, go through the tough times and the good times together and they build their team around that guy. That's why this job is very appealing because they have an opportunity to build this franchise with that number two pick for a very long time. So you can get a coach right now. If this quarterback is who you think he is, uh, they'll be around together for a very long time. Obviously it's hard to say, you know, who's the best candidate because you've got to talk to them and, you know, study them beyond whatever you've already done. That said, if you were Washington, who who would uh, of the names that are out there, who would be the one that you'd say, I gotta go look at this guy? I would look at uh obviously Ben Johnson's great. I would look at Slowick for Houston. I think what they've done at uh Houston, he comes from the 49er background a little bit. Um, so he he the same style of offense, kind of, but what they did with CJ Stroud and that young offense was very impressive to me. I would look at him for sure. Those are the top two on offense I would look at. Um, and then defensively. Like you mentioned, Raheem Morris would be fine. Uh, obviously, the coach at Baltimore is a very good defensive coach. Uh, I'd start with those four. I look at Vrabel too. I talked to Vrabel. I think Vrabel's a very tough guy, and and, and sometimes you need a tough, physical type coach in here. Uh, just depends on who his offensive coordinator would be. But Vrabel would be another guy to talk to. And obviously, I mean, why wouldn't you call Belichick? Hell, he's won a few games in his career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just a few. Um, for uh, for for sure. Um. Well, look, uh, I could keep you here all day talking about all these things. How, by the way, how'd your picks uh, go this weekend? My picks? Yeah. I took Philadelphia as my lock of the week. Oh, so that's not so I good. I watched Tampa Bay play the last two games of the year, and they played Carolina. They won nine to nothing. It just didn't look very good offensively, and I thought Philly would get it right on defense eventually, um, and it didn't work out quite as well as I thought. It was a ass whooping. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the NFC, my God, like it is really – you know, all year it kind of felt like it was San Francisco, uh, and then I guess Dallas or Philly, but uh, the NFC's has been kind of weak this year, which uh, you know really makes Washington's year even kind of worse. Like it felt like at four, four and thirteen was bad enough, but watching the playoffs, it's like felt worse. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you look at Green Bay, and Green Bay was you know, had to win their last three to get in, and uh, and they look like the team to beat right now. Uh, they're playing. You know, Joe Barry's got the defense playing a lot better. Um, Your guy. Obviously, the running game is a lot better with that with uh you know Aaron Jones and obviously this this quarterback is is the real deal. I mean, I never saw that coming early in the season. He struggled a little bit, but he is throwing the ball extremely well. They have a great chance. I think it'll be them and uh, Detroit. Obviously, Detroit's playing well, and and San Fran's can be good, good, good to watch. I, I'm I'm an advocate of if I'm drafting a quarterback, even in the first round, I'm not going to start that guy year one, all things being equal. I mean, you have to, yeah, hey, but some guys are just ready to go like CJ Stroud, but in general, I want to start that guy because it just feels like there's too much pressure. They're probably on a bad team. Uh, and 
it's a small sample size, but like all the guys who seem to sit out a year or two, or in the case of Love and Aaron Rodgers three, I don't know. They all seem to play pretty well. I'm sure there's an yeah. example I'm forgetting, but what where because obviously Washington is about to face this situation. I think it depends on the quarterback and the style of play that the quarterback has. Is he a true drop back guy? Sometimes those guys take a little bit longer to see plays and the speed of the game and adjust. But some of these college teams are very similar to NFL offenses. Now they're running a lot, a lot of the same concepts right now. Um, so the transition isn't as hard as it used to be. If it's a more athletic guy like an Anthony Richardson, then he can play a little bit early because the quarterback design runs and things of that nature are easy for them to do. They're just athletic and they can handle it. Um, but like I said, a true drop back guy, if you're going to throw all that information out on protections and concepts, um, you're right. That probably is better to sit out of here. Yeah. Well, that'll be an interesting discussion to come up. All right. Uh, Jay Gruden, uh, plug, plug all your shows. You, you've got a lot of things going on. Tell everybody where they can uh, find you with podcasts and, uh, and elsewhere. I'm on the 33rd team. I uh, do a thing with JJ taking the points. Uh, other than that. I do Grant and Danny every now. I think we're done with that because the season's over. So I think that's about it. And Chris Russell. All right. Fa fair enough. All right. Well, look, we're going to hope that, uh, you know, you, you enjoy Twitter and, and somehow avoid more, uh, you know, random, yeah. uh, random. I'm not, a, I'm not a regular on Twitter, so I don't know. I just tweet every now and then and put it away. I don't even hardly read it. So I, I look I, as, uh, you know, the, there's a reason why a lot of us like having you on our podcast is because, you know, you you shoot from the hip to a degree. You're, you're willing to say stuff. And sometimes it's going to generate what, what happened was, yesterday. My wife was on all morning today. I read them. She's like, oh, my God, they brought that picture up again. Would you tell people it's not a doobie? It's a cigarette. I said, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I the people brought that people brought yeah. up that picture. Yeah. 12 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. What what did what people, it, are, it, people are ruthless. They are. What an interesting life you have. Uh Jay, Jay Gruden, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, early morning talk. Uh enjoy the week. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens in the preseason games. And uh, you know, we'll we'll all be watching you on Twitter just to see what happens next. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. All right. Many thanks to Jay Gruden for his time. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. I didn't mention this at the top, but of course, make sure to check out other episodes we had. I spoke with Al Galdi uh, earlier this week, and I had a bunch last week about the various uh, aspects of Adam Peters coming on, the coaching search, and more. So make sure you can check out the uh, you know the iTunes or Spotify the list of the episodes and you will see a bunch of good ones in the last several days and honestly uh, keep going back for more if you want but in terms of Peters and such the last several days I've put out a bunch of podcasts will I put out another one this week I don't know but the way you know for sure that you won't miss it is if you subscribe to the Standard Room Only podcast thanks for doing that as well but that is it for now Ben Standick signing off until next time see you